Hello, I'm Joe Cadwell, host of Grit Northwest. You can find my show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast directory. Grit Northwest is now part of the Labor Radio Podcast Network, where you can discover other union-specific shows to help you learn more about organized labor movements across the nation and around the world. It's one-stop shopping at its best. Just visit laborradionetwork.org. Once on the main page, click on a logo that interests you and a show description with hyperlinks will magically appear. How easy is that, right? So ditch the TV and grab those earbuds to hear the collective voices of workers from around the globe demanding fair treatment from their workplaces and elected officials. Join us at laborradionetwork.org. And until next time, this is Joe Cadwell reminding you to work safe, work smart, and stay union strong. BCTGM Voices Project, a podcast highlighting the real people who make up our union, the bakery, confectionery, tobacco workers, and grain millers. I'm Michelle Ellis, Director of Digital Media. I will bring the work of our union to you through monthly interviews with the BCTGM's hardworking leaders, organizers, and everyday members. This is the BCTGM Voices Project. Throughout the last several months of contract negotiations, Local 22 in Minneapolis, Minnesota has been fighting back demands by UNFI Cub Foods to take the quality union retirement and health care benefits from BCTGM members who work in their bakeries. In this episode, we get the full scoop from the local president, Wally Borgen, and UNFI Cub Foods bakery manager and Local 22 bargaining committee member, Amy Nelson. What exactly is being proposed and the direct effect those proposed changes would have on Amy's family. In addition to sharing this recording with your networks, you can support their struggle by sending an email to UNFI Cub Foods executives via their Action Network campaign. Find the link in the show notes or type bit.ly forward slash local 22 Cub Foods into your internet browser. With that, here are Local 22 President Wally Borgen and 17-year member Amy Nelson. I'm Wally Borgen, a seven-year officer here at Local 22, a 31-year union member. Then Amy, I work for Unify Cup Foods. I'm a bakery manager and I have worked for the company for 24 years, but I've been in the union for only 17 years, going on 18. Can you explain the connection UNFI is a supplier for Cub Foods? UNFI purchased all the corporate super value Cub Foods back in October three years ago. All the corporate stores were Cub super value stores. And so that's what we are now. So we get all of our stuff from where everybody else gets their stuff, but they own us. Yeah, UNFI is, a, they're, they're the primary wholesale company that delivers a lot of the goods to these stores. And they also own these stores now. So 
Okay. Well, then why don't we take a little bit more of the history between Local 22 and this facility? Uh, we've, we've had a relationship uh, with Super Value or the, or the company known as Corporate Cub for decades. And uh, usually it's not so, not as contentious as it is in these negotiations. Usually we've been able to bargain a, a fair contract with uh, Corporate Cub as we, another name we call them. And uh, Tracy McDonald is no longer with the company. Uh, this time it's been handled by primarily an attorney and then someone from corporate. And it's been very different this time around. That seems like a, I mean, even through the strikes, I would hear things like this. Like we're not dealing with issues with our manager anymore. We're dealing with issues through our manager with someone we don't see. So that's, that's a growing issue, I think. Okay. So then what kind of led to this pressure campaign that we have now where we're going public with? Well, since the beginning, the company told us before we even met negotiations that they're pulling out of our pension fund, which is a very, very healthy pension fund uh, uh, that's funded over 104% project, uh, projected green zone for several years. And the reason why that fund is healthy is because uh, officers previously did away with uh, some of the early retirement options to make sure that it stays healthy uh, we lost $36 million in the first quarter of the, the pandemic uh, in 2020. We gained it all back, and now we're uh, at $238 million and going very strong, funded over 104% at this time. So we just don't see a need for a company to insist on removing our members' ability to continue on in the pension uh, when the fund is doing well. And ultimately, that coupled with them trying to you know, tell us that they're going to also force us over to their uh, health and welfare plan, which is also just a, it doesn't compare to our union program at all. Will you explain some of the ways what they're trying to take out of that, like the health care? Well, I'll just hit the big highlight, Michelle. I mean, our, our plan, uh, when you're using your HSA card to, to pay for in-network costs, and you're taking advantage of, of uh, reimbursements of uh, deductibles, you shouldn't cost someone in a family plan more than $1,200 out-of-pocket costs per year. What the company's proposing could cost you potentially under a family plan $12,000 in out-of-pocket costs per year. So it doesn't, it doesn't take much math to figure out uh, what Amy would prefer to continue on for her family, um, paying over ten thousand more than she's paying right now is not an option to our bargain. And only be eighty twenty. Yeah, and they have an eighty twenty coverage plan, where ours is a hundred percent covered after deductible. So it's just it's not feasible, and we find ourselves insulted that not only do they want to put a stop to our pension fund that members have been. Uh, you know, earning pension credits for decades. They also want to potentially cost family family plan participants over $10,000 more per year. Who can afford that? Amy, I'm curious, just personal question, what your situation is. You have grown kids, younger kids, any kids, no kids? I have an older son who is 30, and then I have a seven and a nine-year-old. 
So the insurance I had before was great until my son was 26. And then, so he works for 3M. So he's got great insurance. Um, but I, I mean, without, with our insurance now, my kids only cost me $3,600 each to have. So, I mean, I don't know <laughs> any yeah. other insurance companies that, were, you know, I mean, it was great. I mean, and it's cheaper than what my fiance's insurance is. So I carry the insurance for my family. It's insane to think that you're going to stay at a place. You said it over 20 years, 24 years. I've worked for the 24 company. years. Like it's insane that they're going to sit across the table and just like, Oh, well, no big deal. Right. <laughs> and when Amy says that it costs her $3,600, she gets $200 a month put into an HSA account. So really, after 12 months of that, that's where the $1,200 max out of pocket for her is because she gets HSA money that she can use right, towards right. it. And then everything over the $3,600 threshold is uh, it, everything from that to the United Healthcare deductibles is reimbursed back to her from our benefits administrator. So it truly is approximately a $1,200 maximum uh, out of pocket per year versus the company's $12,000. Yeah, kind of a no-brainer. Well, yeah, and one would think that the argument would be that somehow this company can't afford to continue giving you this, but you guys have made the point that's not the case at all. I mean, I don't know any other companies that were able to buy down 32% of their overall debt during a pandemic. Well, that's kind of what they've done for us. You also have in your uh, campaign that I have online, this proposed removal of time and a half. We have historically received time and a half for all hours worked over eight hours in a day. They're proposing taking that away from us too. So, you know, you could work us, you know, 10, 12 hours a day and it's straight time until we hit that federal limit of 40 hours in a week. Um, you know, as if the benefits, taking the benefits away wasn't enough. They even tried to ask our members to wash their own aprons, Michelle, when they have a store full of meat cutters and other workers that have that have aprons brought in and laundered to them. Uh, not, not our bakery workers. You guys go ahead and take those home and wash them. And in fact, that's the only proposal they withdrew throughout these negotiations is uh, at least our committee and our members don't have to worry about washing their aprons when this thing settles. Wally, I did just listen to the interview you did with Errol Schweizer, who has a column in Forbes in that podcast, where uh, he briefly touched on working through the pandemic and pointed out a lot of things that many of us don't think about. I mean, we know that the grocery stores were there for us, like most businesses couldn't be through that time. Amy, I'm curious, what was it like going through that? I mean, I know that people had a lot of fear going to work. Well, I didn't have any fear of going to work at all, but I had a lot of anxiety um, because I, I had a um, preschooler at the time when it first started and a first grader. And so like, I would cry, cry and cry because I didn't know what I was going to do with my kids. Being a manager, I still had to worry about my department because ultimately it's still my department, but I would um, go to work in the afternoon, like six in the afternoon, six towards the evening, six in the evening, work until like three in the morning, go home and get a couple hours of sleep, teach my kids because they were pulled out of school, yeah. take a nap and then go back to work. And I did that for like two weeks and we were declared after two weeks, essential workers. So then my kids were able to go to the school, thankfully. 
but even then it was just, you know, it was tough because you just, you don't know what you're going to do. And, but yet it wasn't like, Oh, you know, I mean, they offered where you didn't have to, but I mean, how many of us can really say, okay, you know, I'm just going to not work anymore. I mean, there's a lot of people that did, but life would have been better if I would have stayed home a little bit, but. (laughs) Well, so I relate in a lot of ways. My kids now are six and eight. So from the beginning, it was four and six. They were, and that time was so hard, even though I was able to work from home, I can't imagine having the pressure of trying to decide whether to go back or not, if I was going to get paid or not. So mom to mom, solidarity, this, that time. Yeah, you know, and especially because I carry the insurance for my kids, you know, I can't lose my insurance because, oh my gosh, what if you got sick during this time? So it was just, you know, you just Uh, did what you did. I also was at a store that was during the riots here in Minneapolis, you know? So not only that, I like, there was a bunch of stores that also had to deal with that during, and even now, even right now, they still have to do it because of what's going on in Minneapolis. But, you know, that's another thing that, you know, the company doesn't take an effect that it's the anxiety, all that kind of stuff. There isn't, Oh, you know, you're working at these stores. We're going to treat you better. Now let's, you know, (laughs) Right. So, so, yeah. And I get it at the end of the day, it's just, it's a slap in the face. Like yeah, when everything's just as hard as it's ever been for people who are able to sit and do this at work or from their living room or whatever, and just send you on in there and then tell you they want to cut your health benefits and your pension. It's just, that's absurd. Well, right. especially with the Stars Tribune story out there that where uh, they reported that the company made $100 million in profits in the retail sector, which is where AME works. Wow. Um, it's, it, it, we're, we're insulted by it. And it's, it's just, we, we're, at, we're at a loss for words. We have not been treated like this uh, in negotiations by any company uh, in recent history. All right, guys. Well, right now we're just kind of assisting you with your public campaign. You are doing it on social media mostly right now in this petition where almost 500 people have taken action. You're sending emails to these executives that basically says, shame on you for using this period of time to diminish the workers. I'm demanding that you allow them to continue in the benefits program they have. You fill out your name and send it to these executives. And will you tell me who they are? We're talking about a group of people that are across the table from us in negotiations. And amongst them is uh, the CEO of Cup Food Stillwater, Mike Steiger. So uh, this is the local group that's dealing with us in, in negotiations. And, um, you know, they, they don't seem very receptive to us when we're telling them how important these programs are for our members. They, they really don't seem to care about that. I think they've been given an objective to uh, try to take it from us. And that's just how we feel. And I'm sure that's how Amy feels. Yep. So uh, you go back to the table at the end of the month. Is that next, next week? On the 28th. 28th. Yep. Um, What's the plan? I, I'm seeing some talk about maybe leafleting stores afterwards. Yes. Um, basically, uh, we are preparing for a leafleting campaign. It's conditional on, you know, uh, we expect this company by the end of those three days of negotiations. We've been at this for months now. And uh, 
our expectations is the, is the company gives our committee something that they can recommend to their members by the end of those three days, or we're going to start educating the public on what they're trying to do to us. Uh, and that's through a leaflet campaign. Uh, we've already have a leaflet set up. We have already vetted it through our legal counsel. It's been given approval. It's just a matter of, are we printing and are we distributing? Um, enough is enough here. If they're not willing to, you know, get off these uh, damaging proposals, our plan is uh, for Friday, uh, I believe it's May 4th, if I'm not mistaken, and May 5th, uh, 3.30, or I'm sorry, March, thank you. <laughs> but try, trying to get out to the stores where, where customers are shopping early afternoon on a Friday, early morning on a Saturday. Uh, we have 43 locations. We're hoping to get enough volunteers to hit them all. Uh, and because uh, they're not listening to us at the table. So at that point, if it gets to that point, we need them to, we need them to feel us outside of the table. All right. Well, I don't have any other questions, but is there anything else? So I'll post the link with this recording to sign the petition, send, send the letter to the CEOs. It sounds like, do you have an event or a Facebook page? We do. Uh, BCTGM Local 22 is on Facebook, and then we're posting uh, uh, updates on our website at bctgmlocal22.org also. So, um, yeah, but right now we have a Facebook campaign out there uh, trying to uh, gain, you know, garner some interest and in volunteers for that potential leaflet campaign. And it says in there, you know, if by chance the company does offer us something, you know, we've seen companies actually quite in recent history with BCTGM, with Frito-Lay, Mondelez, and Kellogg's, we've seen companies change their tune. Uh, in the event that happens, we will cancel that event. Great. I think that's it. Do you want to get anything in before I end it? Just hopefully they change their mind and leave our stuff alone because there's a lot of members that are very angry because <laughs> they will leave. So. All right. Well, best of luck to you guys, and thanks for taking time away from work, Amy. No problem. All right. Wally. All right. Um, Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. If you found this content valuable, please consider sharing it on your own social media pages and be sure to tag us. We are BCTGM on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For more on the activities of the BCTGM, go to bctgm.org. <laughs>